He calls himself a business analytics consultant on his LinkedIn profile, a deceptively ambiguous title that hides the strengths, experience, and sheer brilliance of an IITian who has been a researcher, teacher, entrepreneur, consultant, and advisor. His students, many from out-of-the-way backgrounds, are professionals contributing in the world's best enterprises. His ideas have fueled many an innovative service and product, leading to the founding of many startups. The social purpose of his endeavors have been giant, and their results even bigger. Meet Dr. Rajaram Kudli. Madhvi and my conversations with him were so entrancing covering the gamut from his engineering and IIT days to his opinions about the march of AI that we decided to cut out very little. Here are the almost unvarnished tapes of our chats with Dr. Rajaram. Hi, I'm Chitra. I'm Madhvi. I'm Jyoti. I'm Padmaja. Together we are your hosts on the Edge podcast. We bring you stories and experiences from our experiments around learning, marketing and design. These are stories of people, technology, and people interacting through technology. Of what we see, create, and recommend. Rajaram sir, welcome to the Edge podcast. It's an honor to have you here. So in my mind, uh, if there were a definition of a guru, that is you. Because a guru actually, beyond all things in my estimation, gives selflessly and shows the light and they don't spoon feed. And I always feel like you do that. Uh, so really honored to have you on our podcast. Can you talk a little bit, sir, about your background and your own education and your uh, bag- experiences as an educator? You know, how you came to your current views about education and then talk a little bit about that. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me to this, uh, you know, uh, I would say mind sharing or knowledge sharing mm-hmm. more than anything else. And then I'm actually nervous about all the labels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know really what it means. But uh, suddenly I find myself, uh, you know, in the middle of something like educator's conflict. Mm. Get surprised, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Because what is formally education and formal organization of education, mm-hmm. administration of that, and the educators mm-hmm. who do the design and administration of that, somehow it doesn't attract or it doesn't uh, appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But I happen to be in that space. Mm-hmm. So anything which is crystallized and labeled mm-hmm. will come with a lot of complexity, I would say. So you will find a lot of uh, you know uh, pointers to that in modern literature, popular literature, as well as uh, you know the ancient wisdom. But for some reason, everybody seems to be you know enjoying their play. <laughs> That's why it's called Leela. So it's all Leela. And if you look closer into the Leela, you'll see a lot a lot of things are quite opposite of uh, you know what it appears like. And, it's uh, a very profitable Leela yeah. for many people. Yeah. And then, uh, thankfully, uh, the recent uh, Nobel Prize for Physics, mm. uh, almost all the Indian Vedantins are jumping about that. Mm. It actually proves that the whole world is Maya. Maya. So now I can talk a little more loudly and confidently about the Maya of the education system 
as we see, which is part of, of course, the larger system, I would say. So, with all the risks involved with the labeling and, uh, you know, talking about uh, the way the mainstream is playing out, it's still worth it. Mm. Somewhere one has to express and if it makes sense to few people, maybe there will be some change mm. or it could show some light to some people. So, having said that, uh, since you asked me about my background, uh, I am born and brought up in uh, Shimoga, which is a small town. This was a small town in the middle of Karnataka. Pretty innocent uh, people, I would say. <laughs> what everybody does, we also do. Go to some neighborhood school, the government school, then go to the, the most known school in the town, and so on. But it didn't mean much to me personally. I never had a great time or, uh, you know, great learning time in classrooms or in the school. Just a routine, and we had a lot of freedom, I would say. So much later, I realized, probably now, since I'm working with different interest groups and so on, probably, and then more awareness of, uh, you know, the learning disabilities and so on. In, in all probabilities, I was somewhere on the autism spectrum, it looks like. I never understood anything in the classroom. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So much so that from 9th or 10th, I developed myopia. I used to do only painting, drawing, that was my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, sitting in a dark corner and of course reading books and so on, I developed myopia. I never realize that because anyway I was not able to follow anything in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I was not able to read anything written on the board which I just thought it's part of that. In any way I can't follow anything, why bother? I was never reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Went on like that. And first time after 10th or 12th when I got tested it was very high. 4.75 or something. Wow. Kind of thing. If you are naturally good in studies you get first class. First class students after 10th have to go to science. So I was just on the margin, got into the science, and if you are first class in science, you have to go to engineering or medical. Correct. That's how we got into that. Otherwise, I was never interested. By the time I was more interested in creative field, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a you know film director, movie director. That mm -hmm. was this thing. And then that time, all the popular uh, you know uh, the artistic or the bridge movies and the art movie uh, makers all had initial K. I also had initial K, uh -huh. and they all had BSc as a degree. Okay. So I registered for a BSc degree in government college there, so that, you know, after BSc degree, I'll become a film director. <laughs> so, that, you can imagine, that was the level of awareness or, you know, thought process that was about what I would do next or what, what would be my chosen natural career path kind of thing. But then, you always go with the flow, mm. with uh, traditional family and authoritative uh, elders, mostly driven by what is happening in the rest of the world. Everybody had to go to engineering, we also went kind. Mm -hmm. Same thing in engineering, uh, just a borderline case and got into that with some donation paid. I studied in Chitradura, by the way. I mean, if you, if you look at the history of all these engineering colleges and their ranking, if there were any, mm -hmm. that would speak for itself. I don't have to, I don't want to <laughs> talk about that. I would say, again, since naturally I had some brains, it looks like, I would get good scores right from the first uh, semester and by the time you reach third semester you are branded as a topper and everybody gives you marks whether you write tests or not. I was also surprised, I didn't know at that time, like all the math related stuff, uh, mechanics, electrical engineering, all of that. I was not regular to class, I would not read any book, most people won't believe even, even now, even I can't believe when I look back, I have not read any technical book cover to cover. Wow. Mm -hmm. Till now. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
say, how can you do PhD in math and tech? It's kind of exactly. It's possible. <laughs> and here it's possible. It would be tougher without reading book. Now I have more serious explanation for that, which may come out, let's see, yeah. uh, comes out. Mm -hmm. So I would crack those problems in exam, looking at them for the first time. I would have studied whatever books people don't read. And a lot of these competitive guys who wanted yeah. to be topper, they would go and catch hold of the only book available in library, high date, all kind of things. Up the uh, all of that. Yeah. But I would just pick up whatever books were available a day before exam and just you know, pass through that. I was always nervous about exam. My only motivation to somehow go and write exams for tomorrow by this time it will be over. Whatever <laughs> it's a good happen. motivation. That's all. I would actually look at that. You know, but tomorrow by 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. it will be over. So and that, yet that you made your way from Chitrasurga to IIT. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that something in our IIT system works. Yeah, they recognize yeah, uh, brains. Very, very small, you know, uh, windows. Mm. And it, it just draws the energy wherever mm. it should be. Now, there are a lot of other, you know, the possibilities. That's how that institution and the whole environment was such that the a lot, a lot of local guys and all of that people who would not get job in engineering would become teachers in the same college. That was the phenomena that was going on since then. So they had to help their uh, buddies and you know. Mm. So whoever solves the exam uh, in, in uh, problems in in exam, like me. They would actually take away that and distribute to the others. Others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They solve the problem, just take it. Mm -hmm. Then, after one semester, it became a trend. Watch what is they doing and including drawing exam. By the time we finished one sheet, the sheet would go to hostel. There, you know, a bunch of guys sitting would make copies of that and send it back. Formally. I never understood, but you know, I was good in drawing and uh, these subjects. So happened that in second, third, third, fourth year, there were new, new teachers. I not, I never went to attend their classes. Mm. While hanging around with friends in city, somebody would introduce. Hey, he is a new wedding teacher or a casting teacher. Then that guy would ask. They would introduce me. He is sir. He is Rajaram. <laughs> oh, you are Rajaram. Nice to meet you. And then whatever. So they would give me full marks because I am a topper. Somebody has to get into rank. Uh, you know, so and so. They would just. Then I would ask my friends, who is that thing? He is our new teacher. <laughs> so this was how it went on and on. It so happened that there was only one other guy who was clearing all the subjects, but he also bunked, uh, dunked in few subjects in final year. I happened to be the only guy who passed in all subjects with uh, distinction till then. Without a backlog. With, without a backlog. Backlog. That is critical, one. right? <laughs> the only one. So whatever, you know. So that went. So whole world, the college and uh, uh, you know society was telling he's a topper. I didn't know anything of anything. In the whole world, I was the only guy who knew that I don't know any engineering. What do I do with engineering? I didn't have confidence to apply for any job. I didn't apply. I was forced to apply to this government job for the BHDL, BMN. Got uh, interview calls, but I never went to those interviews. Never. I written test, whatever. I never went. But I would use that as an excuse. Get some pocket money for uh, you know bus charge, train charge. Come here and hang around. <laughs> come here as in Bangalore. Yeah, in Bangalore okay. I came once after. Okay. After that I, I was just hanging around and my father pulled me into agriculture. Huh. That time, six months I had been doing agriculture. Huh. Improve the land. So he intended to sell, hmm. which, I, which we did know. I didn't know. So he kind of I was like his uh, uh, you know guy. 
go here there i used to commute up to tiptur in lord bus right hand to get the you know coconut plants which were grown up before the roads so that it will yield quicker so like that going to villages collected about 400 of them eight acres we converted into off the land we converted coconut. to coconut plantation then we declared that we're going to sell since i'm educated so i should go and get some job, job. this is not for me <laughs> my younger brother also wanted to you know, he didn't have a very good academic so we wanted to do that desperately mm-hmm. i didn't have any other idea going to job or this or that but then it didn't happen mm-hmm. so well so i moved up i was hanging around in my uh, brother and sister's place in dubli they tried to push me to write gate mm-hmm. so i just attempted couple of gate mm-hmm. i didn't know why was i doing it you know mm-hmm. to get everybody scoring subjects you take some geology mm-hmm. You went to exam. It didn't make any sense. What am I doing with geology? You know, it has no remotest interest in any of those things. At least physics, okay, maths to some extent. But you have to clear some number of subjects, minimum credits, this that. It just didn't interest me. I just walked out of exam every day. Then I was just pushed into teaching. Since I can't do anything else, maybe you can do teaching. Teaching. <laughs> so Dalgaon, the Gokta Engineering College, uh, principal was uh, a Vishwanath, known to. families and it was vacation time so and that time it was in uh, under karnataka university had a annual exam so they used to have long summer breaks mm. when they joined in summer break they went through some this thing the other guys didn't know who is this guy coming from mysore university why should he be taken let's follow the process the principal just told no no is a good guy just take him then they will kill the rest and so that's how it I, then I started understanding how the world works. You know, I, I didn't understand understand at that time. I just went with the flow. Looking back, I understand all mm. of that. You know, how self interest plays a role everywhere. You know, mm. I was given industrial engineering, industrial management subject which mm. nobody wanted because nobody wanted to teach the subject. <laughs> so, but you were a, a BE in what subject? Industrial production. Oh, that's why they gave you industrial management. They had an industrial production department there. Mm. good good people nice people so i i should say i really learned what is work mm-hmm. and professional the ethics doing it correctly etc because of our hod professor kuchki was there and used to work with us couple of assistant professors mm-hmm. amazingly dedicated people mm-hmm. very clear headed professional and mm-hmm. that was by the way the only a grade pro- uh, college among private colleges in karnataka the, wow. the only a grade college at that time mm-hmm. so i was i should say This is how my luck played out everywhere. Hmm. You know, I was topper without studying. <laughs> then somebody called me and gave me a job. I was least interested in that, and so on. So now I understand that that that's a design. That people are made of different material, and material come with their own design. Hmm. They, you know, respond to certain kind of energy, and they attract certain kind of energy, and they go with the flow, and right things will happen. Kind of thing. It's more of that kind than I, you know, I was a topper. I got into this office. I loved teaching. None of that. You just go with the flow. Flow. The right people will attract and. Do you believe in the like some people say right? There will be guides in life, and uh, they will be looking for you just like how you are looking for them. Ah, uh, so except that. Mm. But I'm realizing now, still exploring. Mm. Except that it is not individuals. So okay. it's manifestation through individuals. Like mm-hmm. when you call an individual as a guru, mm-hmm. yeah, is that so? You know, there's always. <laughs> it manifests through the guru. Right. It's it's 
ஜினிகாந்த்ரமிலாஸ் so uh, and then there uh, it was not the colorful posters it is like hand written black and white or uh, you know monochrome correct, posters correct. Yeah. so yeah. to read the names in the poster written in tamil i learned the tamil script you know tamil script script oh my god not speaking sir has anybody <laughs> measured your iq no i don't i hope i don't want to, i don't want to measure but seriously i wanted to recognize i, I learned few names ilaya raja bharati raja ஜாஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட
I didn't know that. I realized I didn't know English when I had to read management books in English. This is in Belgaum. Belgaum. But I was fortunately in vacation. I started reading that formal books didn't mean anything to me. Book, this book on uh, personal management, marketing, Philip Kotler on marketing management. What part? I started reading more interesting books like Peter Drucker's book hmm. and some other this thing. So it prepared well for that. First class, 25 students. Went well. That was the first time I had to speak in English, and I ever spoke in English for the first time in a classroom. Amazing. So it just happened. Mm. Then the feedback went to H O D. Good. Good teacher. Good teacher. Mm. I didn't know what to do. Good. <laughs> then what happened in the same week? This was on a Monday when the class opened. Uh, you know, college reopened, and on Thursday I was given a bigger class, which is. Mechanical engineering students, 75 of them now. The first was 25 industrial production within the lab. Mm. Some benches, they were very quiet because the lab and HOD's chamber, everything is there around uh. that. So they were very quiet and I thought, yeah, nice. 12 boys, mm. 24 boys. Next class, said HOD called me and told that they liked you, you are good content and delivered well. So, go for are, it. <laughs> you have to take more responsibility because it's a common subject between mechanical and IT. So I said, okay, fine. When I went to the class, that was a bigger classroom, far away from all these office buildings, the backyard of the campus, 100 students, big classroom, and half of them were elderly, oh. big fellows, you know, from Bombay, Delhi, etc. You know, whatever you call it, total chaos. They were laughing at me, mm. ridiculing, what not. I was just a thin, small fellow. And uh, incidentally, my date of birth was, you know, manipulated so that I could get admitted earlier. earlier. Yeah, it's happened to many of so, us. So, I was younger than all the final year students mm. and some of them were elder to me. No, half of them were, were elder to me, you can imagine. Uh, I could not speak a word in the class. And listening to the noise, the other classroom guys went and told HOD, other they faculty came. were over and HOD came and told them. Right. And so that was a, it has a longer story how I managed that and had serious fights with the students and so on. And finally, uh, some students had threatened me and all that happened. I was given a rectorship of the hostel, used to stay across this. After office hours, you and students, you mm. know, anything <laughs> that kind of thing. Then, after a year, when it came to year ending, the whole year was with this kind of tension. I didn't know what to do. It's such a stupid subject, and you know, I had to cover it as annual also. The whole year you have to keep on. Oh, not a semester that. system. I had other metallurgy lab and other sure. things to do. But this was a terrible Then that's when I realized nobody wanted to teach this subject. All the faculty were attempting gate. They would uh, take subject which would help them in gate. Ah. Or the engineering subject. Nobody wanted. So this was just a transition job for them. Yeah. So this this kind of tense situation went on for a year. I had to do a lot of things to keep it in control and one of the things, in fact, some good students or IP students were closer. One boy actually suggested, sir, dump the textbook, nobody is interested. Why don't you do something interesting? So what interesting things? Then he suggested Leah Focus uh, by Ah. That became the textbook. Okay. And it was interesting for me also. Huh. So I would read that and tell the story in classroom and then discuss that. And told these all the bad boys, if you are not interested, you can sit in the back bench and do whatever you like. You read some novel, whatever you want to do, but you cannot hang around outside. Mm -hmm. We'll both will have trouble. Right. That's all. You, you reached a compromise. Uh, yeah. 
So these boys would bring some interesting books like uh, the Future Shroud. Hmm. Alvin Toffler. So you see how uh, idiot who never wanted to, you know, uh, talk English or do engineering. He's talking Future Shroud. Students were, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were the ones actually bringing these things, and that was the uh, better part of the experience and so on. So very friendly with uh, students and so on. And it came to year end. This all bad boys suddenly became friends. They wanted to be friendly. They wanted me to take them to industrial too. Mm-hmm. I said, fine, why not? Then uh, I told you ask HOD if he says, fine, I can. They asked HOD. HOD says, if Professor Rajaram is fine, you, you can take. I said, if he is fine, I am fine. Mm-hmm. Then when I go and meet him, he says, why, did, why are you going with him? Why did you agree? What happened? You see, you know they are bad boys. Anything can happen to you. Hmm. You have done such mischiefs in the past. So how can you? And you had particularly trouble with them. But now they are fine. Hmm. You know why they are fine with you now? Because hmm. it's year end, you have 25 marks. Uh, you know, that internal assessment thing, 20 marks or something. That's the reason they wanted to do that. That's okay. They, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a risk in that. Right. The danger in going with them to some club or to somewhere. And that's when, much later in industry, when I invited people to do some workshops for self-awareness, this and that, I understood that. There is one, one such psychometric instrument to discover your core values. Looking back, I understood that was my core values manifesting. That I defied HOD. Mm. I said, no, this not, how can you say that? Mm. You told that if, you know, uh, I am fine, uh, I can go to them. Mm. And I had told them, if you are fine, I can go. Mm. So you are fine with me saying fine and going. <laughs> and now you say this, that's not possible. There was another HOD sitting with him Sunday or something. He was upset, like I'm defying him. Mm. He said, don't go, I'm telling you, don't go. Mm. Said, How can you say that? Mm. Because I've committed to that. So it was my commitment. I just didn't understand any implication of defying an authority. I was not looking at that. I was doing my job well and everybody was friendly. What is the problem? Correct. I mm. went. Mm. He told me finally, I'm telling you, don't go. Mm. I just left and then I went with them. Then I realized actually they were mischievous. They knew it was an industrial holiday in Kolhapur mm. the next day. And they took me there and they said, Sir, tomorrow is a holiday, we are going to enjoy. Mm. Night they you know, took to Panalgarh. Mm. Just they wanted to have a party, booze, this, this, that. That's when I got a little scared. Mm. But then there were a lot of students, just they wanted to chill and be friendly. And that's all. See, next day we went to industrial too. Then I realized I don't have the personality to go to industry and talk about things. And these big fellows from Delhi, Mumbai, from industrial background, industrial family, they said, sir, you don't worry, you be just better. We will manage. So they introduced themselves as professors. Oh my God. <laughs> they look like... This is like a movie, sir. <laughs> fine. You know, they are introducing themselves as, I forget their name. One was uh, uh, Sandhu from Punjab. Uh-huh. Another are you in was, touch with uh, them? No. Not at all. Another one, uh, not Machani, uh, some Sindhi guy from Mumbai. So, <laughs> so then a lot of such things. After we came back, we involved them in classrooms. Told, since you are from industry, why don't you bring your industry case studies to classroom? Wow. They actually brought. Wow. That's when I understood we learn nothing out of textbooks. Mm-hmm. Why I was never interested in you know uh, the academics is that we, we just don't feel get a feel of anything. Some learning I did was in my final year project. We went around around Karnataka visiting small, big, automated, process, product, manufacturing industries. Our project was to study the plant layout material. 
that was real uh, you know exposure to the industry then i realized that i am not fit for it <coughs> final year project i realized this is not the environment i want to be but i did good project and got good sure. marks etc but i had a feeling for that so when i knew the student they brought actual real challenging problems mm. i can relate right now one because we are talking of education mm. maybe these are the small things which you know triggered my instinct as a more whatever you call it, you know the, the what may be the right way of learning or imparting mm. knowledge we have to be learning together mm. one and it has to relate to real world so this bombay boy who had an industry he he brought a case study I, Tell them you come on the podium and you speak. Mm. So they would engage very well. Quite well, it went on very well actually. And then competitively they would bring in more mm. stories from the industry. When I was bringing stories from Lee or Coca and so on, discussing detail, mm. you know, and they would bring from their local industries. So when one worth mentioning uh, here is the same Bombay boy, but he had an industry in, uh, uh, in Mumbai. It seems they wanted to just like a lot of machines, heavy machines. ground floor and uh, first floor with a lot of beam structure and so on mm. and they had to take one huge heavy machine mm. which was on the first floor mm. take it out either for replacement or for some work and uh, some such thing then they realized that over a period of time because that last for 10 20 years over a couple of decades they had built a lot of other superstructures and machines were put around that there was absolutely no space for uh, a crane or something to go Mm. and take it up and they didn't know what to do without clearing other machines etc or you know sure. breaking some structure it was not possible mm. very little just a passage way was there around the machines they had no clue all the engineers and the owners they had no clue what to do about that then they opened it up to workers can anybody suggest anybody suggest how to take it out without damaging anything mm. there is a price just it's a challenge and workers who are on the ground mm. either one or some of them came up with this solution it seemed and it worked mm. you know what was the solution you have this just passage mm. actual machine will be only having some foundation mm. uh, right on what you call carpet area so that much of passage is there mm. what these guys suggested is get ice cubes put huge ice cubes mm. were available ice beds rather mm. stack it up to that mm. just slide the machine mm. then leave it oh Let my it. god And they did it. They did it. Wow! You can't find it in any engineering textbook. Yes. And IIT engineers cannot imagine this. Mm. I can tell you <laughs> because they do only simulation of all engineering systems on computer. Correct. This is outside the machine. Yeah. <laughs> mm. This is a actually a real world problem. Yeah. Now, now I would test the chat GPT with this. Do this problem? Can chat GPT find out? Towards the end of my life in IIT, we had such ideas. So it should be given access to all possibilities of, you know, transforming matter and energy to find out the eventual solution. That was the idea. Let's see if ChatGPT can do it. We had thought out that we should build some such system to find out. Otherwise, we are in a narrow, you know, yeah. this thing. Yeah. We'll keep on digging and digging, and everybody will be digging. So outside thinking, outside the box is an idea. Right. Really. But I come across like this industry, IT also. There was data bearing industry. Very senior manager used to be a uh, uh, visiting faculty. They mm. would invite students to come and visit mm. and uh, tell us if you see something odd, mm. because we, we we would have gotten used to that. Mm. You know, if there is a something rotting, it would have become part of life. We would not notice that. Correct. 
So they would invite uh, students to do that. And much later in industry, I realized there is a thing called in analytics called granny test. Mm. So granny is the one who doesn't know anything of anything of the current generation. She's but naive to the name. Yeah, yeah. But she looks at it, she knows if there is something wrong or something which doesn't make sense. Sense. Because with all our technical brilliance, mm. the product has to be consumed by the user. Who is, uh, exactly. The user who is pretty exactly. innocent, actually. Yeah. So granny test, and then uh, when first time when we were into some delivery of some analytics stuff, mm. uh, was the senior guy who was the CEO and the key person. He said, uh, now time to do gra granny test. I said, what is granny test? He said, this is it. Uh, okay, call the granny. So who is granny here? The partner. So the three partners. One is a guy who was not technically brilliant or anything. He was considered as a joker. So he was their granny. Call the granny and the guys would understand. Hey, come. I said, look at this. Does it make sense? Whatever he says, they would take it. If it didn't make sense to him, it won't make sense to the client. This is how, you know, the last mile works. And all other things are drama. Lot of Absolutely. management, lot of engineering, lot of English is yeah. lot of documentation. Yeah, Leela. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it creates work basically, yeah. occupation. It's busy work. Yeah. Sir, we Sorry. will close this segment on mm -hmm. this note. So can we now fast forward from yeah. Belgaum sure, to sure. IIT? How did you get there yeah. and what was the experience there? So from Belgaum, when after two years of service, we were supposed to go for higher studies as sponsored guys. Yeah. I had two opportunities. One, uh, either management because we were industrial in, uh, uh, and production. So mm -hmm. I had a choice of going to either engineering or management. Mm. I did get in uh, admission in NITI, Mumbai, oh, okay. uh, the management institution, mm. and also in IIT Kharagpur. Mm. But uh, actually advised me to go to engineering. So, Management is so so. So, mm. engineering is where that to an IIT you got an opportunity. Uh, so, I just went. That's all. That was for an MTech. MTech, mm. Masters. Mm. Again, the first two semesters were classroom. I didn't find it uh, impressive at all. Mm. I had found better teachers, a better uh, way of executing engineering teaching in, in Belgaum, right there. And very good, dedicated uh, professors, teachers. They were really doing industrial work for their projects. Mm -hmm. No dummy work. They actually produce 64 ton working hydraulic press. You know, and similarly, and all the tools required for that, they would design, manufacture in the lab, and so on. So uh, some guys had created a robot, working functional robot. So they were doing real industrial work. But mm -hmm. here I was in IIT, is mostly you know theoretical, very ancient, uh, basic, and also uh, all computers. And it came to projects and so on. More work on computers kind of. So every, in every course, we are supposed to write assignments and we are supposed to write a computer program associated with the assignment. I lost interest in some of these ancient subjects. I was never going to class there again. I became known for that, which I did. <laughs> I would go to library, hang around, and then go towards the end of the class. And then the professor would add, you must be Rajaram. I was thrilled, okay, he knows me. Because you are late by one hour. For a two-hour class, you are late by one hour, so you must be Rajaram. Kind of thing. Then I never submitted assignments also. This is a waste of time. But there one subject, mm -hmm. one professor, who was like, you know, very uh, hands-off, no personal relationship and so on. And people were kind of uh, scared of him. So he was teaching us computers, you know, computers in manufacturing kind. You just come and read things and just keep on like, more like a chatterbox. But he would give assignments. I was, have we learned this gray encoders? He would say, no, sir. Mm. Twelve students only. And I was the 11th one who was sponsored from academic institution. There were 12th man 
who was sponsored from Tengu industry mm -hmm. guy. All Tengu were all brilliant fellows. Great. Ninety-nine point something. They were mm -hmm. talking in terms of point something. I was scared of it. Okay. But when it came to these assignments, only this computer, uh, you know, computers in manufacturing would cover a whole lot of things, starting from microprocessor program. Mm -hmm. He taught us microprocessor program, and mm -hmm. I went and did that in the lab. That's when I understood what is in in that. Then have we learned in grain coders? Have we learned fluidic devices? We would say no, because he never mentioned because there is no curriculum in IIT or the mm -hmm. subject. There is no curriculum. Mm -hmm. You just say. Things and we were like innocent idiots from small towns. So whatever he said was like you know it was all great Wait, coming from heaven. <laughs> I would sincerely go to library. I would bunk other classes and do the assignment. The end of the semester, I realized I was the one who only one who was doing all the. I had done some fifty assignments and everybody else would copy. Even in IIT. Absolutely. I was. I didn't understand. It was not that they would copy and get ahead of me, etc. To me, it was violation of. Trust or uh, you know, Correct. students were supposed to do their assignments and they are copying. Yeah. Then to this professor, uh, because other guys prompted me, hey, you know, these guys are copying. You know, how could they copy? Because you would just keep it in open lab. Mm. It would be there in a, in a file. Anybody could walk in and take and you know, copy. And so I was prompted to tell him. I went and told him. Then he said, okay, get me your copy, file. So mm. he took the file and put it in his drawer. It was an open drawer. Guys hanging around knew, hmm. so they would open, open the drawer, the take it, and put it. <laughs> it so happened that in another subject, hmm. my own colleagues who were also sponsored but much elder to me, married guys. So whenever there was at the end of semester, first thing was they they would have already booked the train, the first train after the exams. Hmm. They would just, just go book. back home. They would tell me, hey, Rajaram, whenever you do this assignment, just make a copy and submit our copies also. Did so I did that. Then what happened in the professor uh, called me, uh, metal cutting professor. I got less marks mm. from 10, 12, like mm. they all got 15, 18, 19, 20 kind of thing for all the assignments. I went and asked him, sir, mm. I had done this and because in attendance my name came later. Mm. So whoever came first, he said, well, very well done, gave 18, 20 marks and I must have copied. This was the <laughs> That's when I thought, okay, this is too much. I went and talked to him and said, he said, still it is your fault. Why didn't you allow them to copy? Still worse, you have written their assignment. <laughs> So this was happening there, whatever happened. But in third semester, in the project is when, you know, I was not smart enough to get a, uh, go and ask uh, to a professor who is safe, mm. you know, who guides and so on. I didn't know what to do. So I was just spending time in uh, library, etc. All others guys went and got their, you know, choice of professors. I was left alone. Mm. And this professor was also left alone because nobody would go, go with him because he will not get, he will not get. It's your problem and nobody is happy and he is never, he never appreciates anything and so on. So he was left alone without a student, I was left alone without a professor. Then by default I was put under him. Bad. I was so scared, kind of scared mm -hmm. that I never went and met him. Mm -hmm. Then after a month into the project semester, he sent words to somebody else. Hey, who is this Rajaram? He never met him. Mm -hmm. so I went and met him. Not one question asked about what were you doing this, that, no scolding, nothing. He just said you are supposed to work with me. In the lab, go and see in the lab, there is a robot, and there is an image processing system, mm. puts his pen like this. So your project is under the camera, if this object moves like this, mm. the robot should come and recognize and pick it and take it. That's your project. Mm. That's all. Mm. That's the end of his guidance also. I have to go and figure out, figure it out. how to switch on the system, what is the, you know, this, that, the programming. Was there so a manual? The hardware, the instruction manuals would be there. 
but everything else you have to figure out. So this I realized is my, uh, you know, kind of, I am not personally, uh, uh, voluntarily motivated to do anything, but when somebody says I will do dedicatedly, I need just a opening. So when I went and asked people you know, who are working, just show me, that's all. So the C language thing I figured out. Mm -hmm. This whole image processing thing finished in a month, mm -hmm. month, month and off. And the robotics part, I had to create kinematics of that, programming of that, all that was done. Then the third project was integrating the two and did. People were, I didn't know. I just went on doing. Mm. It was apparently three projects. Mm. And my colleague who was supposed to do something, there were no guidance, no nothing from with others. He asked me, since you have done three projects, can I take this one, the last one? You gave it to me. Okay, take <laughs> Professor, I went and told him, okay, this is done, this is done, this is done. Then for the first time, probably he was like, what more can you do? <laughs> then I suggested I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do three-dimensional thing. Okay, do it. So that was the fourth part of my master's project and so on. I didn't know that people don't do so much. We just take something from the master. This was all original. Then the thesis became this. Then I said, sir, uh, codes have to be attached. He told professor, I've written so much code. Mm. Like it can't fit into this, your normal, this thing. Mm. Can I make another book out of that? Okay, please do. So I documented neatly, class by class. The, uh, that time Pascal and C. Pascal, yeah. So Pascal style and C, class, this, that. It came to me naturally, documenting. So there was a second volume of only code. By the time all the other professors had, in every class it would happen. Mm. Something which is not taught in the class, they would give assignment. I was the one to go and figure out, you know, complex manuals, whatever, from non-linear elements, various subjects, analytical subjects. The end of that uh, intake, so happened that all those professors wanted me to join as a scholar. Whereas this professor wanted me, but mm. he didn't know whether I am interested. I was a good student and done well. I didn't know that there was nobody else who had done so much and so on. Nothing mm. of that kind. Because you would never tell who and refer to other previous work. Nothing. Mm. None of so here, I was not sure of joining and because it doesn't guide. MTech was different. PhD is something else. Your assessor cared of PhD and take permission from college, etc. Then they said, same principle said, okay, go ahead and do it. Because everybody else here was fighting for graphic pay commission, implementation, and so on. He said, so environment is not same as what it was before. You've got an opportunity, go ahead and do Otherwise, after sponsored MTech, you have to come back and serve for three years. But here I got an opportunity. He said, you go ahead and do I'll get you the leave. Okay. I got permission to do. There, all other professors wanted me. I applied. I had not even applied. After I applied and it was scrutinized when this professor came to know, he was a senior professor, this computer professor. Mm -hmm. He said, I want it. But everybody else wanted it and he didn't know. And once I applied, he wanted me. Everybody else scared me. Don't take it because nobody has successfully completed PhD and mm -hmm. People have worked for up to five. There was another, you know, born IIT, BTEC, MTEC, etc. He was a faculty also at that time. He, was, he had submitted his synopsis uh, also. He had taught me also on the computer subjects, computer graphics, visualization, software engineering. He just left without mm -hmm. submitting his thesis. It was a big uh, issue there. Mm -hmm. Such a nice fellow. He had his reputation. He had worked in IIT for five years as a BTEC, MTEC. Five years of teaching and PhD. He did not submit his thesis. That was his reputation. He had left and he asked me, and I joined the PhD. I told him, see, I have to go back in three years' time and so on. He said, do you want to work with me or not? Then I said, yes, I want to work with you. So he got in. Then the first assignment is because this other guy had left, he told me, start teaching the subjects. 
hundred students. It was open uh, electives. This is undergrad students. Post graduation. Oh my God. Okay. Hundred students. Post graduation. It was open elective to all the departments. Students from all departments would appear that would uh, register for this uh, elective because this was the only one which would get them jobs. It was programming, mm -hmm. software engineering lab, software engineering and corresponding lab for under students in the next semester or at the even semester. Even semester, it is computer graphics and visualization, 100 students, open elective for all, which is again excuse for working on computers. Went on like that for eight years. I had to just jump into that and take away, take on, uh, you know, own that subject. How can somebody guide me to teach those subjects? Nothing. You just start teaching. No curriculum, no textbook. When I went and asked him, is there a textbook I should follow, a curriculum? No, 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 you are teaching in IIT. At least half the content should be different from semester to semester. That was his mind, his idea of teaching in IIT. Okay. Is a very interesting character. So I went on doing that. Then how do you teach IIT students computer graphics and visualization? One is technically, and same way, I started teaching for BTEX also, from mm. second year onwards. To my surprise, the same thing. I would make them actually write code mm. for 3D visualization, etc. Mm. Which because that's the way I learned. And believe it or not, 80-90% would copy. You know, it's easy to copy computer programming. One more copy of, of print. Course. They yeah. would tell their friend, hey, mera bhi karke When I started looking at I was sincerely evaluating them line by line. And then I was horrified, 80% of them were just copied. Yeah. Them zero marks in there. The issue went to professor, he said, no, no, you can't do that. Ignore. If they don't learn, they don't learn. They have other things. They will. And I enjoyed teaching both VTech and Tech. I would bring in Hollywood movies to classroom. Just like Lee Akoka and industry problem here. For computer graphics visualization and uh, for MTech it was computer graphics and scientific visualization. For VTech it was CAD and computer graphics. So first year they were doing on drawing board. As a, you know, he fought to get the computers there. So half the class would come to CAD lab. So we had a CAD lab and CAD and computer graphics. So I would make them write program to visualize 3D and do uh, intersection of objects. I wrote my own program for tutorials. That's first time anybody heard my this professor appreciating anything. Mm. Told we were struggling to teach this 3D, mm. how to represent 3D to BTEC students for 10 years. Wow. Now they are doing. Of course, a lot of them copied, but that means at least some of them actually learned and did that. Not that others could not learn. They are not interested in that. Some of the students came and just told that, sir, now I am second, third semester. Now I have understood, I have realized what is my career. I just want to work on computers. That's all. And so on. So I would bring in Hollywood movies. We would dissect the scenes. Mm. Right? Technology, you know, theater, where Hollywood movies would also be screened. Like, Jurassic Park and Terminator. Sure. Yeah, I could see through the algorithms. You would discuss the algorithms mm. with uh, all the hacked codes. They were uh, even doing that. Write the code for doing that kind of transformations. And that's how I got that real freedom. Mm. And the creativity was, you know, exploding. Mm. Working on intelligent, what is today AIML? That was what I was doing 20 to 30 years ago. From 91 to 99, I was mm. doing that. Applying that neural network kind of thing to everything. We had the first multimedia system, among the first generation multimedia system in India, first generation neural network systems in India, worked on graphic systems, we were doing all of that. Simultaneously curriculum, teaching, consulting, everyone of that is a story. I became known for, you know, from other departments, they would call me to give a talk, some seminar workshop going on, come and give a talk. So one such management workshop for Tata executives was going on. So they had to do something interesting, so they called me, industrial engineering. 
I went and gave a talk on virtual reality. Virtual reality mm -hmm. was convergence of all these other things. Sure. CAD vision and computer. Then there was one uh, head of their uh, automation uh, department who was an ex -IATN. Then he said, it was a bombastic kind of talk given. You guys are very good in talking. Mm -hmm. Can you actually do something for it? I was like, you know, what is that industry problem? So I have a blast furnace. Can you do virtual blast furnace? Mm -hmm. I said, okay. I had no clue to what is the blast furnace. I said, okay. We have only seen sketch in the you know books. Then he he landed. He just bumped all other sessions of the that seminar, the workshop, three-day workshop. He was sitting in my lab afternoon. Then yeah, I want to. I came to meet you. So what are you doing here? This is this. Thing. Then he straight away offered me. What are you doing here? What come and join? Whatever salary you want, we get you more salary and just that. Getting twenty of thousand rupees scholarship there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had still not completed your PhD. No, this was as eight I, years. Yeah, as I started PhD, mm. I was teaching subjects in IIT for which there were no formal teachers available. Computers, only computer related. So I was doing this, that, and the research and dating students. Lots of B.Tech students, M.Tech students. So that was the phenomena. Subjects. When my professor became HOD, I created curriculum. He created curriculum for an entire MTech course and other, all these consulting started. This is how the first consulting thing started. He just offered that. I have to come and join. He get you 10, 10 times more money and whatever you want and so on. So, so how did you complete your PhD? So it went on like this. Uh, the, my first work I had done in first six months time, after first six months of PhD work, I got married also. So my family was there. <laughs> Doing this, that day. this professor was surprised. I know, is your wife in station? Yeah, she is there. Then most of the time you are in the lab. So I'm here, there, everywhere. It, just, it was going on. So first six months of work, after a couple of years, or more than a year, somebody suggested, why don't you publish? Wrote. This professor is like, no, 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 you have to do this, that, and he had never published. So I did that. After two years, I, I know, you know, included another IEEE reviewer was on the panel, he said, oh, this is more than enough, nobody does so much work, let's do this. With his name and my professor's name, it got accepted, and we had to do some fixes and send, still it got accepted. By that time, one of the original guys from MIT had similar work using neural network, I was very upset, and I just don't bother. So it went and got accepted also, then two more uh, chapters I had done for me. By that time, it was seven years, the time to submit PhD thesis, he called me one day, I was given a fact, there were a lot of objections for me doing consulting work and getting money. Mm. And this Tata Steel thing, when first it came, I didn't know this was the first of its kind they have got in mechanical department CAD CAM. Wow. In CAD. Wow. There are other people doing of other course. things mm. in this one. Mm. We had, I just committed to doing a neural network model for a blast furnace mm. and using genetic algorithm to and fuzzy logic to develop a controller for that without having clue to what it is. So students were assigned to me, I would guide them in the night time and they were getting the project and doing. Mm -hmm. Finally, when we delivered that, we got, uh, that was 5 lakh rupee project and all allocations done. I had to get, professor said, 50,000 rupees. There was a problem, get, uh, me getting 50,000 rupees. Mm -hmm. Having got the project, having executed, guided people and having, because I am nobody. Similarly, then, because... You didn't have a PhD. More and more students were assigned to me for these electives and so on. That was a problem. In IIT, you cannot have more than 15 people in a classroom. How can somebody who is not a faculty teach a elective, that to open elective, 100 students are coming. Mm -hmm. Objection for everything. The professor got tired of that. He went to a director, got a special permission in his handwriting. That 
because no faculty to teach this 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 subject. Uh, so Rajaram is permitted, given a special permission to teach subjects, special permission to participate in consulting. I didn't know it was a problem for everybody. You know, <laughs> I just was going on doing, going on and on. I can now relate after my other explorations in the last 15, 20 years after I left IIT. There is a thing called immeasurable. So it's it's also learning by insight. When you engage with something, mm. any subject, subject matter in general, when you engage with a thing or a person or uh, whatever, particularly learning, there is an insight. You learn by insight. I'm talking uh, from what I understood about the mind, the workings of the mind and learning from Jiddu Krishnamurti's. He says that, you know, there are, you do and learn, that is one mode of learning. Then you learn and do. Learn as in academic learning and do. Which we miss most of the time. So all our academic learning is about learn and learn. learn and There's no do. realize. Mm. So that takes away the mind from reality. Mm. You know, that creates a lot of complexities. And he says there is a third kind, third uh, thing which is learning by insight. You just engage with anything, with a serious question. You find what is the question, right question. Mm. Then answer will appear there. Mm. Then I realized my mind was working like that. Mm. In IIT, when the innovations would happen, in the middle of the night, students would ask, I would just say something, it works. Next morning, when they go and tell their teachers and professor, there is a problem. How did you get this? He asked Rajaram and he told. So how is it possible? Somebody in the middle of the night tells something and you do, I think there is something wrong. They would not accept. Such things would happen. It became such a pressure that once I proposed, you know, some robotic manipulation, some real-time tracking control. I just said, use genetic algorithm to do this. You know, so some incremental neural network learning using genetic algorithm. There is a problem. In daytime, it works, but people can't accept it. Because there is no reference for that. There is no literature reference. And these fellows tell something in night, and they say it is working. How is it possible? Mm -hmm. Because nobody has credibility. I, I was in such a tremendous pressure. My professor tried to showcase it to the other faculty in, in this way. It was like, Kanakadasa and other Rashishyas, you know, what they have, it is exactly like that. So he had to tell in front of others, okay, let Rajam come, we'll rip him apart. So I come in the afternoon, I was working whole night and went to our home in the morning to freshen up and I come. Then everybody is waiting to rip me apart and he asked, what is this? They have done this and this. It's a breakthrough. I said, yeah, he asked me, I told him to do this and it worked. Then where is the reference for this? No reference. What reference? I saw the problem and it is there. This is you try this. I just told him to try this and it's working. Similarly, another problem. Once he asked me in front of others, see this problem is there for the last hundred years. This neural network was is there for the last 10, 20 years. Genetic algorithm is there for 20 years. Then you mean to say nobody got this idea? How is it possible? I didn't know where the answer came from. I just told, yeah, this problem was there, robotic problem was there, neural network was there, genetic problem was there, but Rajaram was not there. <laughs> he was so furious and constrained. Uh -huh. This actually happened. Wow. Then I realized much later, uh, you know, looking back, that was the beginning of ego. Well, what do you do if you're cornered and every day such things keep happening? I was so furious. <laughs> and so on. What I mean, much later I understand there is a different view. So, I realized that it is just that creativity, the inquisitiveness and creativity, if that is not destroyed by taking this academic system seriously. If you take it seriously, it will get destroyed. Yeah. It actually systematically destroys the inquisitiveness, the ability to see through things, the insight, uh, uh, capability to 
uh, you know, have insights that get destroyed by more and more information stuffed in. It creates a lot of insecurity. So one analogy yeah. I can see with what you just said is <clears throat> sort of like uh, Ramanujan's notebooks, which he has filled Some with yeah. so many theorems and yeah. without proofs. So it's just he engaged with the subject and his natural engagement brought about That's all it. those theorems. And people are still trying to decipher it. Yeah. I want to close this segment, yeah. sir, with tell us how you got the PhD. And then we'll go into the insights section. <laughs> it was what I had done in the first six months. Mm -hmm. After that, I was doing all these things. No work done on PhD. Uh -huh. When it was seven years and a lot of this pressure was... The first six up. years, you mean? Yeah. Uh -huh. At the end of another six years, mm -hmm. it was time that I should become a faculty officially. I was given an appointment letter Mm. With all these problems, a special permission given by director for all this. Then I was given uh, before submission, so it was conditional. The day I submit the, my thesis, I could join as a faculty. So he then he said, it's almost seven years, why don't you write thesis? I have not worked on my PhD for uh, almost five, six years, and mm. except what was done initially, and after a year or so, it got published in IEEE. Mm. This, this is good enough. Most people submit without any... You know, Publication. Publication. This was in IEEE. From a mechanical department, it got published in IEEE system and cybernetics. So, I didn't know what it meant, but apparently it meant big in IIT. I didn't know what it meant. Then I said, okay, let me add some more stuff to that, uh, you know, PSD thing. I looked into that. There are a couple of other problems I could do using neural network. All that is today core of this, you know, deep learning. Okay. Actually created a CNN. Mm. That's a different convolution. Yeah. It was not convolution for with a different definition at that time, mm. and something else also for uh, time tracking kind of thing. But two papers out of that both got accepted in IEEE neural networks. Mm. By that time, I was so troubled after I became faculty, I just did not even send it for publication uh, because it was accepted in IEEE. I could submit my thesis, mm. but in synopsis seminar because a lot of faculty senior professor was also wanting to, they objected to something. See, you were saying that this MIT work, something was done in MIT. MIT is a, for robot vision, there is a Bible by mm -hmm. Professor B.K.P. Horn. Mm -hmm. Much later, I understood that is MIT culture. They do the current research and MIT press, they, it publishes. Right. You know, technical papers and many technical papers would be published as book. But rest of the world who follow and who say they are MIT model like IIT, they follow it like Bible. In MIT, it is not a Bible. Mm. Every prof who has got funding, you'll have a lot of people working under him and whatever little thing they do, they just publish. They publish. Mm. Internally, there will be seminar, they just simply write technical paper. So that idea is floated, more people will know and at least idea gets registered, you don't know where it goes next. These people have taken that as Bible and rest of the world seriously invest a lot of time, energy in continuing to do that. One such concept was shift uh, from shading. I looked at that, implemented it, doesn't work on real thing. I use neural networks, it worked. Mm. So that was my main you know, contribution, mm. which got published in IEEE. I said that all the professors, you know, how can you say what MIT people have done is, uh, you know, it's not good enough, it doesn't work. I said, I have actually implemented that, it doesn't work. So it got stuck there. Anyway, I submitted uh, you know, thesis. But because I was already uh, given a faculty appointment, so they raised enough noise, etc. But it went through. But when when it came for defense, you know what had happened? By the time the defense happened, it was another year plus. 
the same original MIT fellows, they had written a paper, published a paper reviewing their work done 30 years ago. And saying it doesn't work. Yeah. My thesis was different in 97. Between that, you know, my synopsis seminar, this, they published and they said, this was like an idea and we just ran some algorithm on a simulated image. We, that was a chapter in that their book, Robot Vision, which is considered as Bible. And then later they, they regretted. We regret to see whole, whole world just they took that as some holy grail and so much of work is done. Thousands of papers published. They acknowledged that. That was my defense. When I did defend, I said that. So the other two, that's how I completed and joined as a faculty on this breakthrough works I had done with genetic algorithm, neural network, same uh, that industrial blast furnace modeling control optimization with fuzzy logic and this that. This is the actual deep learning model. It's more advanced than what you see today because I was evolving fuzzy logic control using neural network model of the system, evolve a fuzzy logic controller for inverse engineering using genetic algorithm. So it was all computational intelligence in one framework. Breakthrough, there are no published literature for that. What do I do? Again, that those are my core values which are uh, manifesting. Once I am committed or once I am given a responsibility, I can't run away. Correct. This, what do I do? All other work I had done. Anybody had any problem in there, they would come to our lab. My professor would say, you tell, hey Rajaram, can we do this? I said, why not? Some economics problem, macroeconomic problem. We predicted inflation, quarterly inflation of US with 130 years of data including uh, the, the, you know, very sharp infl inflation during World War and uh, oil crisis. This guy was very surprised. Then he talked to his professors from London School of Economics. One of them was a Nobel laureate. That fellow laughed at six. That, you know, it's actually possible to predict these things. Then he gave me a more challenging uh, problem. That can you predict uh, exchange rates? So I created even more what today is called as ensemble network, neural mm -hmm. networks, much more complex. A dynamic recurrent network for every stock market, mm. all the European stock market, Japan and US, connecting them at a meta level to predict exchange rates. That was my own economic theory. If wow. two countries are not even trading, still there is a virtual exchange rate between them. Mm. So the exchange rate is a reflection of the trade deficit or trade between two countries. Mm. But trade of a country with the other depends on their internal, uh, you know, economics, mm -hmm. which is GDP and their own inflation, etc. So if I can predict uh, the GDP and inflation, etc. with this, then we should be able to connect them of different countries and predict the exchange rate. It's very dynamic. With the dynamic recurrent network, even now there is no solution for that network. So we use genetic algorithm. So use genetic algorithm for this meta algorithm. Then I proved one more. We created the same with using dynamic network. What there is in, in macroeconomics, there is a thing called uh, um, uh, equilibrium. It's called some equilibrium, I forget, some economic equilibrium, where actually the rate of change of inflation is a rate of change of GDP and uh, uh, money. Mm. It's called monetary value, way down. That's the difference, which is actually the real value of money and the nominal value of money. So you project some productivity growth, growth in GDP, you print that much money and then distribute. Because investment is first necessary to translate ideas and demand into real Material products goods. and mm -hmm. real goods and services. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't catch up, inflation. Inflation occurs. That's what it is. So inflation would be, uh, you know, this, this uh, 
Now, money supply. It's actually money supply and GDP would be catching up with each other in an ideal situation. So once it becomes productive, it would create more money. But initially, to translate ideas into material, into goods and services, you need money. Mm -hmm. So you need more money. But it has to catch up. It has to translate to real things which will generate money. So it has to catch up with each other in an ideal situation. But in a not an ideal situation, this would happen. Exponentially, it can go on growing. How do you prove that? It's a hypothesis. He said, this professor from London School of Economics, is a Bengali guy, he joined our Vinod Gupta School of Management, started in IIT. But he, he would find only my professor and me as a rational fellows that he can talk to. He would discuss such things. My professor would say, can we make a neural network model? I said, why not? Can we see some result next week? That was hurting my ego. Why next week? Today. Tomorrow. <laughs> In the weekend, I would show the result. This is how you know, the B.Tech and Tech, so I tell somebody, just try this. And it would be done in a day's time. So the PhD was done, sir, by then. This was the third PhD. My PhD was done. Then the other one. All this work was done while I was not doing PhD and supposed to be doing PhD. This I would just get students to do this. So this I'm saying this, we actually created a dynamic neural network which, which actually proved that hypothetical, what is a hypothetical, you know, economic equilibrium. That is still unpublished. <laughs> you know, it is there. So, using genetic algorithm, evolving, uh, you know, deep learning, this dynamic uh, network to do this, we created, I created a hypothesis for that. That whether it is a physical system like a blast furnace or a virtual system like a macroeconomic system or a microeconomic system, macroeconomic, we are able to predict inflation and then this, you know, hypothetical uh, economic equilibrium also could be demonstrated. Microeconomics is predicting stock exchange, uh, sorry, the, the, yeah, stock market, the indices. Mm. We have done all of that. You know, a real physical system like blast furnace, which cannot be modeled with uh, a reductionist uh, way. And then there is this stock market like uh, stock market and, uh, you know, the, the currency exchange market, which is a virtual system. And then there is human system, the human dynamics. We can model all these things with this universal modeling with neural network and genetic algorithm as a universal, uh, what they call a global optimum. That is the thesis. That is the title of the thesis. That is the thesis it went through. So that was like my third PhD. Third After PhD. I joined as a faculty, I had to do this. So in this segment, sir, can we talk about your core values mm -hmm. as an educator, uh, which have obviously been formed by your experiences, number one. And also your thoughts on what makes for impactful learning that works uh, among adults, adult learners. Sure. So, so my last talk was how, because I was working in these intelligent systems and closing the loop, etc. It was about uh, an automated learning system because of my own experience, all other things are drama. It's only content delivery. Mm -hmm. You might as well be, you know, making it personalized. But if personal learning can be measured and modded, individual learning can be modded, mm -hmm. apparently neural network like thing has a potential to model anything like this. We could model that and put a meta learning around that, loop around that with genetic algorithm so that we can drive the evolution of individual's learning. Searching the whole space mm -hmm. of information and everything else that enables learning. That was the idea actually. That's what you have seen in that, uh, you know, the e-learning thing we yes, did, closing yes. the loop mm. and so on. So, after that, I just I just left. I went into CAD CAM because I didn't want to do any. In any case, in India, it was not an industry at all, this neural network thing. 
you know, I was not interested in going to US. Mm -hmm. But at the top level, much later in industry, mm -hmm. when I was owning a team and there was going to be a bigger merger and uh, uh, you know, uh, relaunch of the company, I found that uh, somehow I have again because of where I came from and how I got facilitated and mm -hmm. how my creativity got uh, you know ch uh, rather harnessed and uh, bloomed in R&D. It was all about research. Not in masters, not in subject, uh, in academic uh, learning in IIT. Only in the freedom of that uh, that is provided by research environment. Mm. And of course, I recognize that it is this particular professor. <laughs> it's not everybody. Is not everybody. Not uh, like that. At all. So he had seen the real value of a open system like IIT is there. Give the freedom. Much later in industry, because of the situation of my team having, uh, so I I had uh, always a uh, kind of soft corner, you may say or a, a, a total mentoring of the underdogs. Mm. I was always like an underdog. I never went with an objective or competitively. Yeah, I just sure. had this opportunity. And there's an opportunity when I went on producing so much. What was the problem? I was not able to understand. Much later I understood, you know. So it's called this from Krishnamurti's language and the philosophy. It is immeasurable. immeasurable. You do not have any measurement. I, my intelligence was, uh, intelligence was not measured, mm. the real thing. When there is no measurement, no comparison, no reward punishment, you actually have immeasurable intelligence, mm -hmm. unbounded energy, which can go on doing so many things. People won't believe that how can one person do so many things. It is actually possible. Whereas the others who are qualified, labeled, graded, they have difficulty. Do and you think uh, this is possible for most people to have such immeasurable intelligence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is what is the core of your Adhyatma, mm. is, is that. Mm. Life is immeasurable. All measurements have come from only our left brains. It is only creating more content and creation and management and uh, dissemination of content is the major work for everybody. We moved so much away from reality. And then we are struggling, you know, how do you see the reality? So what what does this mean in an age where we are actually drowning in a sea of content? Therefore, the philosophically, the, uh, what we think as consciousness is only content, content of the consciousness. This content of the consciousness is the barrier for the insights, is the barrier to see the reality as it is. This is what all spiritual uh, you know, talk is about. All masters are saying this. We are not seeing the reality. Because that is the fundamental nature of mind, is to get uh, into delusions. It's a projection of reality on the mind. That's a fundamental phenomena. Unless you are in the state of awareness every moment, there is no way an individual mind cannot get deluded by the mind. That is the fundamental thesis of, of uh, Shankara philosophy and yeah. so on. The Adhyasa the rope Bhashya. and the snake. Yeah, yeah. The Adhyasa Bhashya is his original contribution. All other Bhashyas are his commentaries on existing texts. Mm. Adhyasa Bhashya is the core of that. Why he had to write those Bhashyas, he has written. The actual nature of mind. That is what today deep psychologists are understanding, this quantum mechanics is suggesting. There are lots of quantum physicists who got into spirituality by uh, understanding the quantum nature of mind. Because it is this human mind which has created all the content. There is a very nice uh, uh, you know, explanation of this recent that Nobel Prize winning uh, you know, work of the quantum physicists. 
which gets into mind. It explains actually the Maya. They now realize actually quantum physics is showing why this is a Maya. So what we are calling as content is the content created by human intellect, which has fundamentally this problem of delusion. It is delusing itself with the reality which is created by itself. itself. So it can never see through that beyond that. Beyond the veil. Yeah. And a mind which is not burdened by that content can actually see the reality directly. You can go in the countryside and see people who work with nature, they find their own solutions. They just find their own solutions. I mean, I may be sort of getting tangential, but what does this mean when, you know, when we know that there is this possibility, but we are in this real world, this material world, this content-driven world, what does it mean for us? Like, in the sense, we there need to educate, we need yeah. to skill, these people need to find jobs, they need to have food on the table. So, I'm glad, while I've been, you know, on this track for the last 20 years, only in the last couple of years, this Yuval Noah Harari. Mm. Yes. He's just seeing it, he's mm. published it, he's given it in writing that we are going to produce more and more uh, generations of people who will be labelled as useless. Mm. In India, we have already seen 95% graduates labelled as, uh, you know, uh, unemployed. Unemployed, that that's right. has come in my talk uh, there. Mm. We don't recognise, the whole talk is about that 5% people who are required to do some great job, leadership job. But what will other 95% do? What are they doing currently? Especially now in the age of AI. No, now, just look at actual reality. Real statistics is in India, mm. not more than 18% were ever employed. The employable, the employable were ever employed. That is the problem I was also facing. I was so confident that I could make anybody, any man, woman, child on street, old man, young man, child on street, a professional data scientist. Employable. But who will provide employment for all of them? Hypothetically, exactly. if everybody is employable, how can you? You need an employer. Exactly. Yeah. So that is by the definition of employment, which is 9 to 5 job, monthly salary, weekend holidays, then uh, your CL, FL, whatever, you know, all that and PF. That's the definition of employment by which only 5% are employable and uh, only 20% are ever employed, 18% are ever employed, other 30% are uh, daily wages, other 50% are uh, self-employed. Correct. including all entrepreneurs and roadside entrepreneurs, which is what Modi is trying to tell. Why do you, why don't you consider they are making a, a dignified living by doing something which is useful for other human beings? That should be the definition of employment. You are employed. Your energies are employed in creating some value for other human beings for which they are willing to pay. And we have very narrow definition of employment which is only creating this rat race. And there are more rejects. We reject 85% of them. Right? That is reality now. Why don't we see anywhere, anywhere, if there is a mass of 80, 85, 95% of the mass versus the remaining 10, 20, 5% mass. Why do we focus all our energy and investment here? This is reality. So what so, are you saying, sir? Does that mean that we are going towards an era where there is a universal basic income? And people are daily wage. Most people continue to be daily wagers. Right. Or should we strive to create a country of uh, 200 million data scientists? No, no, no. Data science is just one. I am just saying, you know, thing. yeah, you know, it's a skilled so, people. So like if you have read, you all know Harari. Is actually yeah. His second book I have not read, but it is projected, it seems, not only more and more generations of people would be labeled as useless. 
would be addicted to digital technology, etc. The next is projection is suicides will increase. This is the danger, real danger we have created, which is already happening. Which is already happening. In India, on an average, every one hour, every hour, one student commits suicide. Because we have we have made this content-driven, exam-driven education as life and death situation for human beings. More and more people are actually realizing and they are taking their children away from school. In the US, last thing I know about five years ago, 250,000 teachers are not sending their children to school. They are doing homeschooling. Homeschooling. While they are teachers in schools for making a living. That's the kind of duality we are living in. I know personally some parents in Valley School who are in media and they know how media works. They don't have television in their homes. But they work for a living in media which is creating content for others' children. That is the level of insensitivity we are living with. So it's not a good data science job or uh, you know this thing, because we're living in actual delusion. So it is a delusion-driven world which will keep on creating incremental opportunity. opportunity. AI is opportunity. AI opportunity for whom? So you see, the most brilliant AI systems created with all the billions of funding available, the most brilliant brains available, I would be one of them. This uh, Tesla's driverless car and this Google fellow's uh, Google assistant. What is the net value they are creating to humans? It's going to make drivers jobless? Yes. Most idiotic, considered as idiotic fellows from our villagers, they come and become drivers, drivers. in Bangalore. You want to take a, it needs so much of intelligence and investment. And they are the gods today. What is the big deal? And how much money is spent there? But wouldn't so, uh, wouldn't somebody argue that it's a reflection of their society, you know? So the the root of this is the division, me and not me, mine and not mine. So that's how if you really uh, uh, develop that sensitivity to everything happening around us, I am ashamed of everything I did. The IIT story looks great. I have created so much. I even sampatu. Eventually, they are going back to the same thing. So it's a, it's a little break. That's the only way they can get out of, they can get a break from their miserable living in villages, in whatever, you know, the poor conditions. But then they are going to be enslaved here. Within a year, they are earning enough money. Then what do, you, what do they do with that more money? They buy a car. They have no life left. I have experienced that in, in IT industry for five years. Uh, my body would not see sunlight. I would not see my daughter's face for years. Your, your body would not touch the ground for years, living in India. You would not spend any quality time with your parents or uh, nature. Nothing. We think this is progress. That is a root cause. That is a problem which, which is increasing. Which is yes. increasing. Well, Absolutely. now, is not a you know, small town boy like me from India. Mm -hmm. He is a scholar. And he has spent his whole lifetime doing this research. And this is where we are heading. Is there so, any anything positive we can end with? Is, is there something we can do against this? onslaught of content at the rats. You, you have to let children explore first life, experience life. Children need help because they depend on the adults. And adult mind is absolutely corrupted, confused, corrupted, you know, all of that. They, they don't know what to do. So some good things happening are more and more children are taking away their children from, uh, from schools. School. Then they themselves are getting out of these corporate jobs, many of them out of the digital world. And then more and more, uh, you know, because of all these complexities, the, the doubts created about how to make a living, marriages are getting delayed. Yeah. 30 plus is a norm now. If you read the psychology of that, 
What damage we are doing to human minds, we don't know. And to biological clocks. Uh, biological, I'm talking about all of them, the health and yeah. so on and so forth. Those who are married somehow, after 30 plus, more and more of them are decided, deciding not to have children. Nothing so, is Elon dead. Musk, uh, whom <laughs> you spoke, he is predicting a population collapse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you all know what uh, is saying, we are setting it up. And in, in, in India is one of the, you know, suicide capitals. This thing, people will find dying more, uh, you know, uh, less, uh, less miserable than living. You are making living miserable. I just give one, uh, you know, horrendous thing when I realize this. To live you need clean air, which is free, water which was free, only in city it is still we have to pay, in village it is still freely available, you know, the water bodies, and food you have to grow, right, and then uh, whatever else, uh, house, clothing, clothing and shelter. So among this, what requires human effort and intelligence is growing your food, food. which is much more fundamental. We have sort of set up such a society in great ancient, uh, you know, tradition-driven country like India that the farmers are driven to commit suicide. So one farmer told me, then I realized the horror, horror of that. Why should they commit suicide? If they stop growing food, we are all what, what they need for their family, we all have to commit suicide. I don't see much positive in all this content-driven education in this thing happening. Nothing. Very few people will make a lot of money and have power. Except that, we are doing terrible damage to the brains. But no, if, if there is anything positive, more and more people are also looking into this Gurukul-like system. Mm -hmm. Our holistic education, we are hearing more and more of that holistic education. More and more people are doing it seriously. Without even basic awareness of what is life, our body and mind, all of this is going to be driving only towards corruption. First you corrupt the mind and everything else will be automatically you know, driven by that, which is what is there in our ancient wisdom. All this is called avidya. Avidya. Though we call all these institutions as vidyalayas, mahavidyalayas, vishwavidyalayas, it is avidya. Avidyalayas. It's so obvious. So this is this is duality we are living in. We are very proud of our ancient tradition. We are proud of our ancient wisdom. But this is how we have chosen to live. So if if there is anything positive, it is. You can see positive only in the awareness of this which is becoming rather developing more quickly because of globalization and uh, technology. I see more and more youngsters, current generation people are actually more aware of these things. But they are confused what to do. They are going through a lot of uh, difficulty. And one thing they are all doing is be independent of these ancient brains. They just want to be free. They will explore. There is enough, free, enough you know, opportunity out there. Mm. to find your living. Mm. Don't get caught up in what your parents tell and what society tells you to do. I see more and more people, more and more youngsters realizing. So, can I uh, end this with what is possibly a heretical thought? So, let's say we truly get into that age where there's a universal basic income and people are then maybe, when they don't have to worry about uh, you know where food is coming from, they can maybe, they can free their minds. They don't have to get into the rat race. Because there is no need to get into a rat race. You think that is possible? That is a possible feature, a future? Yeah, the potential is always there mm. with the ancient wisdom. It's there and more and more people, people are discovering that. But the, the mainstream is so overwhelming. 
getting out of that. Yeah, yeah. Through administration, it gets into your homes, it gets into relationships, it gets it has gotten into your education and healthcare. Correct. So it is always said it's not as if at some point of time in the, in history we were more free. It is not so. It's only very few people who actually understood this and were living by this principle. Very few. Always through it history, always, it's been a few people. It's only a few. So all these, you know, uh, spiritual uh, uh, discourses or the, the principles, what they say is, in in becoming aware of this complexity of the what you call as reality, it has a lot of maya. The reality, including the reality created by illusion. In in a holistic awareness of this, there is intelligence. That insight and intelligence will operate on reality through this uh, you know awareness. So one you can only make others aware of that. Individual has a choice of getting out of this system. You cannot change the system. With that, actually very profound statement. That's you cannot change the system, but the individual has the choice of getting, of getting out, out of this system. We'll close this. Very, very instructive uh, session, sir. Thank uh, you very much. Don't say instructive, maybe insightful. <laughs> insightful session, yeah. <laughs> if anything, I should not use the word instructive. Please subscribe to the Edge podcast on your favorite podcast channel. We are on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and more. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast, write to us at podcasts at adepticlabs.com.